Hey, this is Joe Kirkney here with the Be Kind Podcast, part of the Animal Advocates of South Central PA's work to make a more compassionate world for all living beings. Today, I am joined in by Chris Wenger, a local doctor calling in via phone during this time of social distance. Hey, Chris. Hey, how are you doing, Joe? Holding up all right. Holding up all right. It's funny. We just had the small talk and now we're doing it again for the people. Yeah. Um, you doing all right over with your team? Yeah, we're doing quite well. Um, you know, we have a lot of provisions in place to help try to limit exposure, both to us, but us to others, of course. We'll touch on more of the health aspects of everything in the current crisis. But first, I'd like to find out what vegan stuff you've been into nowadays. For example, yeah, so I've been super into coffee creamers and stuff. So I've been trying all sorts of vegan coffee creamers because all my favorite <laughs> coffee shops are closed. It's true. Um, well, I'm a, I'm a cardiologist uh, by training and um I'm also a, a clinical lipidologist, so that's um, for the non-medical people there. Uh, I'm uh, basically a heart doctor, and I also specialize in uh, cholesterol disease, uh, whether it be uh, lifestyle cholesterol disease or even genetic uh, cholesterol disease. Um, and in cardiology, one of the hats I wear with the group I work with uh, is that of a preventative cardiologist, so I really work to cure disease wherever possible, uh, or at least arrest this progression. Um, sometimes we're lucky enough to reverse it. Yeah, when it comes to vegan, I mean, for years now, I've been um, trying to tout the uh, whole food plant-based message when it comes to diet. Could also call it a, a vegan's diet, if you will. I don't even know if I could even consider myself or, or identify myself as a vegan in that my message as a healthcare provider has always been more or less along the lines of eating a whole food plant-based diet. And as I've matured in it over the years, I've, I've certainly um, kind of matured my understanding of what it means to not eat animals. And, um, and, you know, I have a certain compassion for them as well. So it sounds like you came into veganism from a health perspective. How exactly did you come to start living a vegan lifestyle? Yeah, so about, I'd say, gosh, about five years ago or so. Um, I certainly wasn't raised vegan or anything like that. I didn't have any much exposure at all. But about, you know, especially as a Lancaster County native. Um, so uh, about five years ago, as I was studying lipid medicine and uh, cardiovascular medicine, kind of uh, even in my fellowship training, uh, I was I was realizing that I was going into a field that was quite morose. Um, you know, there was so much I could treat as a cardiologist, but so little I could actually cure. It seemed like all you were really trying to do was mitigate the uh, natural events of, of death from a cardiovascular cause, but not really do anything to actually stop the disease process or reverse it. So I, I kind of stumbled upon a book that was actually, it was, a, it was anything but a vegan book uh, called, how, um, what was it? It was Gary Taub's, uh, something about um, why we get fat and what to do about it. And it was the first book I encountered that really kind of flipped over medical, mainstream medical understanding of what a healthy diet is. In the end, I mean, looking back at it, it really didn't help me land where I did with diet and my thoughts and the data and such. But it did open my eyes to the idea that maybe mainstream medicine has it a little bit wrong or maybe isn't telling. I don't want to say the full truth. It's not like anyone's hiding the truth, quite honestly. It's just that um, a lot of times in medicine, you know, a diet is only as good as what people are willing to follow. Um, I mean, even the DASH diet that we've modeled for blood pressure, we know from Frank Sachs' original data that vegetarians have the lowest blood pressure of everybody. Now, vegans weren't studied in his original works, but vegetarian versus flexitarian versus carnivore and such. But he didn't make it a vegetarian diet. He added in low-fat uh, animal meats and dairy and such. Um, because he thought he had to make it palatable for 
Americans. Otherwise, they would reject the diet 20 some years ago. And unfortunately, that that sent kind of a um, watered down message over what a healthy diet truly is. I mean, certainly a dash diet is better than what most people eat because it's it's a reduction in added sugar and oil. But the reality is, there's not much place at all in the human diet for any animal foods. I mean, yeah, can you eat Count Chocula for breakfast every day and then go over to eggs? I mean, is that an improvement? Well, yeah, but even better would be like a uh, tofu scramble or avocado toast or some fresh fruits and such. So it's all relative, right? You know, food isn't really a polarized thing. I'm not sure if that answered your question or not, but basically, uh, you know, that's that's how I found it slowly but surely. And then, it, you know, so I knew that mainstream medicine diets were not quite there. And I didn't quite understand why you would tell someone to eat healthy fruits and vegetables, but then also have them consume milk or cheese. It, it didn't make sense to me because uh, the data certainly didn't show that that stuff was helpful. I mean, sure, if you're starving, uh, it's it's <laughs> it certainly beats starving, but if you're really trying to optimize human health, it really animal foods really have no place, um, and it really comes down to how much can you get away with genetically, and what other lifestyle factors might weigh into whether or not you can even consume the stuff safely. So, I went plant based um, about five years ago, I'd say. Um, got my own cholesterol down to normal levels without needing a medication. Uh, thankfully, I didn't have any genetic cholesterol problems, but I ate a standard kind of Lancastrian diet. Um, I even tried uh, paleo for a couple of months, um, and it, it, my cholesterol had never been higher. So I uh, kind of just went overnight vegan and, and haven't looked back in five years. Wow, so you did your research to find out what's best for your patients, and sounds like then you started uh, practicing what you've been preaching. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think that I, I know pretty much every diet from Atkins to zone at this point, uh, you know, the, the, the pros, the cons, but really uh, I think it's inarguable at this point based on science, not just my opinion, but based on the actual medical literature, um, the optimum human diet for human beings is a whole food plant-based diet. People will say, what about the dash? What about the Mediterranean diet? And those are all good diets. Don't get me wrong. And they're certainly better than what most people eat, but the reason they work so well, I would argue, is that they're plant-based at their core, right? Uh, you know, Mediterranean diet has some provisions for seafood as a protein source, whereas the DASH diet has low-fat meats and dairy as protein sources. But but at the end of the day, all these diets are pushing lots of fruits and vegetables, whole grains, legumes, um, and the things that are, are supposed to be daily staples. And it's interesting because a lot of times you hear vegans who have bad experiences with their healthcare providers and the doctors tell them they need to eat meat or dairy or things like that. And one of the common rebuttals to the doctor's suggestions is that typically they don't have a whole lot of nutrition training or experience or research. But it sounds like you're an individual who's done his research and really dove into the issues. So what are your thoughts behind that experience that vegans have with their doctors? You know, it's unfortunate, you know, doctors, uh, myself included, were very poorly trained in, in nutrition. And I'm, I'm still considering myself a younger physician. I'm in my early 40s now. But I would say, you know, it, it's not like doctors hide truth or have some conspiracy theory. I mean, generally, doctors really want to help people. They, they really do. They work tirelessly, most of them that I know anyway. Uh, and, and so if they, if they get down on someone who's vegan about the vegan diet, it's really just usually a misunderstanding of what they're consuming because the doctor themselves haven't been formally trained in it, don't really understand, haven't done the research. I mean, you're taught in medical school basically that, you know, uh, 
I think two tenets of diet. You're taught, number one, that calories exclusively are what matter, and that's it, that everything in moderation along with that. And then secondly, you're taught that really in order to conquer obesity and the constituents of the disease of their obesity can really be turned around just by eating less and exercising more. Um, and of course, the th problem there is the two aren't mutually exclusive, as, as any of your Listeners know the more you exercise, well, the hungrier you'll get. If you burn calories, your body does want to replace those calories. That that And it's a shame. I do see it a lot. Now, having said that, though, the kind of diet I would recommend for optimum human health, although it is technically a vegan diet, I guess you could call it a healthy vegan diet. Because, again, what I would be advocating for would be a whole food plant-based diet. So we're talking about fruits, vegetables, seeds, nuts, legumes like chickpeas, split peas, beans, lentils, and um, whole grains. Um, it wouldn't have uh, oils. It wouldn't have added sugar. And of course, there are a lot of vegans, and I see several in my own clinic who are more or less, they gravitate toward more junk food, vegan type diet, right? So they're eating the soy Ben and Jerry's ice cream, vegan Girl Scout cookies, uh, you name it. And, and they're not they're, they're anything but the picture of health. Just because you get rid of meat, if you're still having a lot of oil, um, a lot of animal meats, you can gain weight. You could be pre-diabetic or even diabetic. I mean, not eating animals just isn't enough if we're talking about human health. What are some common objections your patients make when you recommend they adopt this kind of lifestyle and how do you respond to them? Yeah, well, of course, as you know, the vegetarians and vegans say, oh, yes, finally, we found a doctor who supports this, you know. Um, but, as, of course, some of them, like I said, will, will face some hard truths that maybe their vegan diet isn't as healthy as it could be. And uh, the non-vegetarians and vegans, which, of course, that's most of the patients I would see, a lot of them right out of the gate say, oh, I can't do that. But working with them a little bit and just kind of making stepwise goals toward removing added sugar, oil, and uh, animal foods from their diet, I mean, they've realized that they're shutting the door on some common creature comforts um, food-wise, but they're opening the door on a lot of other things that they've never even tried. Um, and so that's kind of neat. Um, a lot of people will say something like, oh, I've never had vegan food before. And I'll, <laughs> and I'll sometimes joke with them, say, like, so you've never eaten an apple before or an <laughs> orange? <laughs> it, I think it's it's more or less, you know, being clear where the end point is, but, but making sure, at least in my office, I find it most helpful not to damn them for not being perfect, but gravitating toward that. And at the end of the day, I think it's a big win. If I can get someone to eat you know, uh, be a part-time vegetarian even a few days a week or get rid of cheese out of their diet or red meat. I mean, I, I find that a win. I know a lot of vegans I talk to don't always agree. They're more of the all or none philosophy, but, but you really do catch more flies with honey, as they say, and you have to gently introduce things and, and it takes time. You know, if you're too pushy, you'll turn them off and then they can, you know, they commit something I call nutritional nihilism where they just say, Hey, I, you know, something's going to kill me one day. I don't know what it is, but it's not worth changing my diet. And then you, you lose it. You know, you lose the audience. You lose your patient. Yeah, I agree with you on that, that you can't, though I'm a vegan for ethical reasons. And I love if the world just overnight went completely vegan. I know that's not realistic. So we have to kind of meet people where they are and make sure we work through what they're going through, both from emotional, mental perspective, also through just maybe their daily circumstances. Yeah, exactly. And I think being that I, I consume the diet too. I mean, a lot of providers ask how I get my patients to be more adherent to such a diet uh, where they 
don't have as much success, I, I simply tell them, well, I, I kind of practice what I preach, you know, I mean, I wouldn't dare ask a, a patient of mine to do anything that I don't do myself. I mean, I exercise uh, about, you know, five, six days a week, uh, never smoked, uh, I eat a whole food plant based diet, at least 90% of the time, you know, and, and I also watch my own cholesterol levels, I had a calcium score for my 41st birthday recently, you know, um, so I, I treat myself like I treat my patients and vice versa. And I think it's very important to have that transparency. You mentioned towards the beginning that you're starting to have the more ethical aspects of veganism come into your life. How has that affected your relationship with your diet and your patients and just maybe any activism you're doing in general? Yeah, I think um, it's a good question. I think over the years of eating this way, you know, it went from I'm not eating animals and animal products because I know it's the healthy thing to avoid such things. And then it kind of turned into where I almost, I, and I know non-vegetarians and vegans wouldn't understand this, but I almost look at it as like it's toxic. Like, it, like a, a hamburger at this point would be like a, a battery acid burger. Like I, it just just the look of it and even the idea of me eating it can like physically make me gag. And, and I know that's not just me eating what I eat, right? There has to be an ethical aspect of that for me to have such a cathartic experience with it. So I think it's, it's really, if anything, it's solidified my original decision to eat this way. Um, so I think it's really helped me be on track because if I really did view it by healthy versus not healthy food, well, like everybody participates in non-healthy food from time to time. But this really made it a solid choice for me and something that I would never change how I do. I also agree that the ethical part of veganism is what helps me personally. It sounds like you stick within the long run because I'm always of the mind where I started veganism for health reasons and that was great. But then I eventually switched to ethical reasons because you can just look at a healthy person who's not a vegan and then all of a sudden all your reasons for not eating pizza or not eating a burger go out the window because, well, they're healthy and they get to eat that stuff. Why the heck am I suffering over here? And it's not suffering by all means. I don't want people to think it's a burden nowadays, but uh, you, life doesn't have to be as challenging as we make it for ourselves sometimes. But if we do it for the animals, it's all worth it. Yeah, ab yeah absolutely. And, and, you know, even amongst, you know, kind of dovetailing into the current COVID-19, uh, you know, this all started uh, again, like so many of them do as a zoonotic disease. And it's um, it's unfortunate, you know, it's unfortunate that we're we're paying the price for wet markets in China. And, and it's not it just exclusive to China, of course. Um, even New York has such things. It's just it, it, it's a shame that. It, uh, the world has to sometimes pay for this. And I see it all the time. I mean, the, the kids, even in our local school system who eat how they eat, you know, they just, they become tomorrow's sick adults. And then it just, the deck is just stacked. So against being health, healthful with the diet, it's, it's, um, it's just this revolving door. And unfortunately we lack the provisions in the United States. You know, we live in a system that I would say, relies far too heavily on and even rewards reactive medicine at the expense of developing provisions for a more preventative medicine model. Um, I mean, we could treat about every disease known to man, but we can cure very little. And, and that's the problem, right? The cure really comes from the patient and their lifestyle choices at the end of the day. Along with the, those thoughts, how do you handle situations where maybe someone adopts a vegan style and their health doesn't improve or it doesn't have the dramatic effects that 
A lot of times you see impatience or uh, how do you deal with the disappointment that vegans sometimes have when they realize that their diet doesn't make them invincible, that yes, you still do have to wash your hands and yes, your green juice will not protect you from the coronavirus or yes, mm -hmm. you will still have to stretch and do all that and you won't be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, uh, it's a good question. In fact, I had a patient just this, this past week, you know, got her whole food plant-based now and and her cholesterol did drop, but it's still so high because, again, she has a genetically high cholesterol. So she's starting so much higher than the average American. You know, at the end of the day, uh, I think my patients know and a lot of patients seek me out because I really leverage lifestyle, you know, diet and exercise and such to our advantage to help reduce the amount of medication. Um, you know, the, the most common scenario is that people say they eat the diet, but they're not really and they say they're going to start tomorrow and then they don't and just weeks and months go by and they're just getting sicker and you know that's where you really have to step in and say you know you really need medication for this and and for people who are adherent like you were just mentioning and doing all the right stuff they don't smoke they exercise they're eating whole food plant-based and feeling great but their numbers just aren't where they are their blood pressure is too high their cholesterol is too high etc you know that's where I, i'm honest with them and and i tell them like where a medicine may be advised so i would never want to be considered to be the guy who doesn't prescribe medicine i mean i absolutely do um, but it should always take a back seat to health care right it should be the thing that we have to rely on once we've exhausted the lifestyle option having said that though it, nothing is more disheartening than to see someone who constantly tells me in the office they're going to do this they're going to quit smoking they're going to eat healthy and they just don't and each passing office visit we're just wasting time and as they age they're going to get worse with their health so um, by all means the medicines are there and they're not the devil they're not bad i mean they've been scientifically worked and certainly i would take prescription medication over most of the over-the-counter nutraceuticals i see which are not fda regulated not that the fda is perfect all the time but they're not regulated. You don't know what's in them. The fillers are in them. Uh, most people have side effects for that. And I never understood the psyche of refusing, you know, pharmaceutical medications, but then opting for all these over-the-counter things that have no testing, no, no overwatch. Uh, you, you just don't know what you're getting. That's good to hear that you look at the big picture. It's not just one thing. There's one thing that's definitely important, lifestyle change, but you also recognize that science and medicine is a thing that's saved countless lives. Yeah. And to ignore that, you're, 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 you basically, it's like cutting off one of your arms. I mean, it's a very powerful tool if used in the correct scenario. I mean, I'm not a, a cholesterol guy who thinks that statins should be in the water or anything like that, but a good statin at a, at a, and at the appropriate dose for the appropriate patient could absolutely be life-saving, would reduce mortality and even morbidity, especially if you attack the problem when they're younger instead of waiting until you know they become so far gone with their disease that you know this forward progress it's, it's kind of hard right it's, it's as i tell my patients a lot of the times you know it's much easier to steer a ship away from crashing into the pier when you're miles out from shore but i mean if, if you could see the shore on the horizon and you're starting to turn that boat it gets a little trickier um so it's best always to take care of these things the younger you are um you know and, and of course the younger you are the more time you have on your side to really work out the kinks and lifestyle management i've never heard that simile before but i'm going to steal it thank you oh yeah no problem at all <laughs> <laughs> so uh what is your current involvement with the covid19 crisis as a healthcare provider yeah so i'm a, as a cardiologist you know i'll tell you um you know i i do have some exposure to it in the hospital but uh, honestly my my I, I feel the heroes in medicine right now are the countless number of 
you know, nurses, respiratory therapists, and the providers, you know, the PAs, the CRNPs, the physicians who, you know, especially the ones in primary care, such as um, family medicine, internal medicine, emergency medicine, anesthesiologists, um, where they're in direct, close contact with these sick individuals. Um, you know, locally, thankfully, it hasn't, I mean, it's hit us and, and the numbers are worse and they're going to get worse here for a while. Um, but we're definitely not New York or some of these other uh, places. Um, so I'm, I'm very thankful for that. So really at this point, I'm, I just do my best to uh, be protected around people we suspect to have the virus. Um, you know, weeks ago, I, I took my mask from work and, and wore it out in public, even when grocery shopping, because I know people looked at me like I was a loon, but I mean, look, I mean, look at it now. Now they're mandating or asking masks in public places because I just I see how bad this is getting. I mean, we have we can get into the numbers, but, um, you know, thankfully right now my role has been fairly limited. But I'll tell you, as a cardiologist and a lot of um, other non-critical care doctors such as myself are going to be undergoing training here this coming week and the weeks that follow and uh, learn how to manage a ventilator and, and some critical care things because uh, this is going to get much worse um, uh, even in our local uh, county. Um, so, you know, we're getting the ventilators ready. We're, we're expecting this thing not to peak until probably mid to late May. And so you figure there's going to be at least 20,000 plus cases every day for the next month or so. Um, so this isn't going to get really, really sticky, really thick. Yeah, that's a little scary to hear, but I mean, we just got to get through it. And along those lines, what do you think that uh, vegans or specifically vegan activists' priorities should be at this time? I've seen a lot of vegans speak out on social media or online that almost finger pointing against people eat meat. Like you said, it did develop through uh, animal exploitation at a Chinese wet market. But I'm of the opinion that we should just focus on coming together and getting through this rather than trying to lay blame and point fingers and say, I told you so. Yeah, I, I do agree. I, I think, you know, so I have a, like I, I'm involved in a lot of other programs here, you know, fundraising and things like that that have really been all put on hold for the respect of our local community, but also as a country. I mean, it, it's no surprise. America is n number one in a lot of things. And right now we're number one in the number of cases and deaths from the coronavirus. Um, unfortunately, I mean, I won't get too political, but, you know, I, I can't believe we still don't have a countrywide lockdown yet. I mean, a lot of other countries did it with a fraction of the deaths and ours is just climbing. Um, I mean, even today in the United States, we had about 750 more deaths so far here coming into the afternoon. That's just today, adding on to the, um, over 8,000 we already have. So this is a big problem. So I, I agree. I would, I'd probably be a little bit more respectful, um, with the vegan activist and maybe not, I, I, I think the fight about the wet market and that, that stuff should wait. I think that that will be looked at, um, you know, for your listeners, they might be happy to know I did sign a petition um, this past week directed at the U S department of health and human services, um, this office of the surgeon general to be specific. Uh, it was a, a wonderfully drafted letter uh, writ written by a Neil Barnard and his uh, team, the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, of which I'm a member. And it's basically a seven-page document uh, about going over the facts of everything from influenza A, you know, with the uh, H1N1 Spanish flu and, and all the way up to COVID-19 and just calling to attention that um, a lot of these cases are animal-born, right? I mean, six out of 10 
known infectious diseases in people can be spread from animals. And three out of every four new or emerging infectious diseases in people come from animals. Um, so, you know, so there, there are, there, there is political movement there with or without the vegan activism. I think vegans, I mean, one of the most charming things about them, I feel, is just their general compassion toward everything, not just a, uh, animals, but people as well. And, and not looking at people as the bad guy, but their brothers and sisters. And I think that's a more important message right now, while people are going to continue to get sick and more and more people are going to die. I mean, the chances are that people here even locally is, is, are going to know somebody who's passed away from this thing before it's over humans are animals too and i think it's important like you said that we recognize that and come together to show compassion towards all living creatures including our fellow humans yeah i mean and, and the time will come to raise this i mean it's not like the government doesn't know how this started right uh, uh, and the amount of of not just even mortality and morbidity, but just the economic crisis. I mean, you see, I mean, the newspapers, there's a lot of these wonderful local businesses that are closing their doors forever now. I mean, I just, I think I just read today, if I'm not mistaken, Movie Town up in Elizabethtown is, is done for good. Plum Street Gourmet, who had some nice vegan options there on Lidditz Pike, is closing its doors for good. I mean, we're losing a lot of stuff, and all from just this, this, uh, one of these places where you can just, you know, basically kill an animal right next to another animal. Um, there's no security there. There's no, um, there's no regulation like there should be. So I, I do think regardless of vegan activism with this and the origin, it, 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 it is going to, it's likely to take care of itself. There's going to be some new regulation. And I, and as you probably know, and your listeners know, I mean, this is really going to change not just the world, but it's going to change even on the local level how much of what is done, right? How medicine is, how um, economy is, how our preparedness, because this is going to happen again. We've been here before and it will happen again. Well, we're coming up on half an hour. I don't want to take up too much of your weekend, but any final thoughts? Final thoughts. Um, well, I would just say that um, I think it's important to know that I'm very supportive of vegans and and the culture i think it's fantastic um i think for listeners of yours who um may not be vegan or vegetarian or maybe they are and they and but they have some um you know colleagues or friends or family who listen in you know it's really important when you know it it, it is great the animal ethics of it i think it's fantastic if only just everybody practice a little more kindness. I think the, the country, our world would be a better place. Uh, and if you're seeking health, you know, I would just encourage people to gravitate toward whole plant foods as much as possible. It's not like you have to be raw. And I understand when I say whole foods, people think of just munching on raw carrots and lettuce and such. <laughs> I mean, have fun with it, right? It could be as simple as just, um, you know, picking a base and then add a filling, add some veggies, add some toppings. And before you know it, you know, you can have like a, a mini pita pizza or something like that. Uh, it, there's just so many things and there's a lot of local provisions. You know, I'll give a, a shout out to a couple of nutritionists here locally who I sometimes refer patients to who want to eat more whole food plant based. Uh, Liz Hauk, I think she does a good job. Um, you know, it sounds like a shameless plug here, but, 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 you know, my, my wife, Cassandra McKee for plants for people, nutrition also does a great job. And I, and I bring it up because a lot of people just somehow don't have the education or know how to eat this way. And 
unfortunately, it's not as easy as just referring someone even in our own system, health system, because we don't have nutritionists who eat this way. So I, I can't send a patient to someone who doesn't actually consume the diet they're trying to educate the patient on, right? You need someone who's actually in it, in the trenches doing the work. So I would just say, you know, love more, stress less. Um, this will get worse before it gets better, but it will absolutely pass. Um, I think people will get to enjoy much of the mid to latter part of the summer. And this will just be a mere memory, you know, a couple of years from now. Um, so just stay safe, follow the guidelines about hand washing and social distancing and isolation. It's absolutely important. This virus needs us to continue to live. So if we separate ourselves out from one another for now, um, utilize electronic devices to keep in touch, um, keep sane, and this virus will die off. It will die off. And you were plugging other people earlier, but I'll give you a chance now to plug yourself. If somebody's looking for a cardiologist in the South Central PA area or wants to get a hold of you, how can they do that? Yeah, so uh, so like I said, I'm a cardiologist that um, I practice with the heart group of Lancaster General Health. So, you know, I have offices uh, up in Norlanco, and then uh, the main one is on Harrisburg Avenue near Lombardo's, uh, uh, right near, near down the street from FNM, and then I round at Lancaster General Hospital. So, yeah, I'm happy to see people. I mean, I love preventative medicine. And just so your listeners know, again, I'm, I'm not going to be the guy who's going to put you on every nutraceutical from uh, ascorbic acid to zinc. I'm going to be the guy who tries to use the, you know, leverage the grocery store to your advantage, work in some exercise and, and not smoke. And then if we, st if we have to talk about medications, if we're not meeting our goals, despite those things, then, then so be it. But I don't look at it as a sign of defeat. It's, it's, it's just the smart thing to do for optimum health. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for all your wisdom and words. And with that, I'll say if you want to get a hold of us and be a guest on a podcast like Chris, just email bekindpodcast at gmail.com. So remember, everyone, stay calm, stay home, and stay safe. Well said.